Isa, Deacon, Deacon, Jeff Rosignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. And then, uh, Father, for the service as well, and for the proclaiming of your word, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, everyone here would get it and obey it, because we love you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. So, we're doing a topical series, and I'll give you the fancy term for the, uh, for the fancy people, and then the big idea in general. It's called meta-narratives. A meta-narrative means a big story, the big story. And the Bible has lots of story arcs in it. You know, you've got the patriarchs, you've got the story of Abraham, you've got the story of Isaac, you've got the story of Jacob. But all about the Old Testament is the story about Jesus. Right, The whole Old Testament is about their coming Messiah. And the New Testament is about the arrival of the Messiah and what happens when the Jews finally get their Messiah. Um, and then you know how the Gentiles, how we play a role in that. But one of those stories is the story of the Christian in general. And the story of the Christian is, for the most part, the same as a similar story arc. Now, the, the world in general really longs for the Christian story. They just don't know it. And we see this echoed in young adult books. And that story arc in the young adult books is when teenagers are becoming to take control of their own, their own decisions, their own what they choose to believe. You know, they're, they're spreading their wings a bit. They like the security of home, but they're trying to be more brave. You know, that's, that's why they call them young adults, because it rings true with them. But grown-ups like them as well, these young adult books. Because if we're not going through that phase in life, we still remember things. And we still deep in our hearts long that our life has a purpose, a meaning beyond the daily grind of things. And so some of these popular books... Um, it's like Harry Potter, even though it's about a wizard and it's got a lot of bad stuff, that wasn't the wizardry that in, in, enticed kids. It was the magical world of discovery, something beyond the norm, a greater, higher purpose for life other than just, you know, go to school, come home, do your homework, go to bed, get up, go to school. You know, that's, that's rugged for kids. And then they look at their parents and what are they doing? Getting up, going to work, coming to home, getting ready for bed or bringing their work home with them, getting up, going to work. And where's, where's the deeper meaning? Where's the purpose, right? Beyond that daily grind. And books, all these books resonate with that. Um, and they're all young adult books. And everyone has that same, same story arc where a young person's in the middle of this daily grind and all of a sudden something happens and they begin to see the world's a lot bigger, the world has a lot of meaning, and they have a chosen goal and purpose for their life in this. And so chapter 6 is a chosen generation, 1 Peter 2.9. You see, that whole story arc is the story arc of the Christian. And even in the, in the Christian realm, you know, that people are doing their daily grind and, and they're wondering, well, where is anything more? You know, and they might get onto causes like worshiping the earth and recycling and, and saving the trees and saving the seals and saving the whales, right? They want a higher goal and a lot of people will pursue that without God. 
And they don't realize it all comes back to to God. Have you ever noticed people who worship the earth hate humans? Right? Who's the great enemy of the earth? Humans. Who's creating all the carbon footprints? It's the humans, right? So even though they're human, they're saving the earth from the humans. So humans are the enemies even though they're one of the enemies. Right? It's kind of... But without a moral compass, without Christ, they think that makes sense. Now the big story arc goes like this. There's the daily grind of life. Is this all there is? You know, this is every young adult book there is. This is the pattern. Um, The invitation, you just can't say no. For those who belong to Jesus Christ, you can't say no. And that's a good thing. Discovering the spiritual world that very few acknowledge. They know something more is there, but they refuse to, they don't want to go there, right? And then discovering there's way more. Discovering that there's a great war going on and that you are part of it. And then realizing that God has given you a special calling and then He's given you special equipment. He's prepared you to be different. And now what happens, now you've realized this in all the books, but now your old friends, they're not impressed. Because your old friends got a life and a purpose of their own, very shallow, very you know, um, fleshly, and um, now all of a sudden you see way more what's going on in the world, and you're marching in a different direction, and they're not coming with you. So it's counting the cost, you know. And just a reminder: you're created by God, called and chosen by God, and called by God to be used by God for God's glory. Notice how none of that has anything to do with you or me. It's not about our glory. It's not about our success. It's not about our best life now. It's about obeying God. And a lot of people don't like that. Even when I'm talking with other Christians, I might say to them, you know, God commands us to do these things. I'm going to give you the five disciplines at the end of the service like I do every week. Those are commands of God. If you choose to disobey and you're telling God, I don't have to obey you, God. Okay, They're on the side of your bulletin every week. To disobey these is telling God, that is not wise. And the fact that they're on the bulletins every week, and we choose, I'm not going to obey you, God, puts you in stark rebellion to that. So, now let's go into this. Now, this is one of my favorite cartoons, and this is the cartoon I remember it from, The Chronicles of Narnia. And... uh, That little blonde-haired girl, she's the first one to walk through the wardrobe and discover a new world. And uh, she's playing hide-and-seek with her brothers, right? And she's gone for hours. But she comes back into the world, and it's moments later, and they're still playing hide-and-seek, right? That's why she was hiding in the wardrobe to begin with. And she went and told them, I'm back, I'm back. And they're like, what are you talking about? You just went hiding a second ago. She goes, no, I was in this magical world. And they're like, okay, you're crazy. You don't have to lie to us, you know. And her own brothers and sisters didn't believe her. So she experiences the world in her own brothers and those are two. That's one of her brothers and sisters, and those are talking beavers. Okay, it's a storybook. All right. And, uh, but they didn't believe her at first. All right? And when you live for Jesus... Guess who's the first people who don't believe you changed? Your family. Your family. Whew. Yeah, yeah, sure you changed. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay? And uh, 
They're the last to believe you because the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in your heart and it comes out in, in flesh. It comes out in your actions over time. And even then, you, first your family won't believe you, then your family will reject your actions. Oh, wait, no, you are taking this seriously. You're taking this religious thing too seriously. Listen, you cannot be doing that. All right? And I, you know, I've got stories I'll bring up later on, but I remember resistance from my own, my own parents. You know, you're going to church on a Sunday evening. I can, how can you do that? Go to church on a Sunday evening. You know, uh, oh, that's how I know I really need to go. If I'm getting resistance, that's a sign from God to run to church, right? And uh, now in Harry Potter, he was being taken care of by these folks. Now, these were these folks, they had their day jobs, right? Honestly, they, I was a bureaucrat for eight months, so I'm going to say this. These are like, these are bureaucrats, right? Soulless beings living for their flesh. They're protecting their kid. The kid's got his constant bib on, though, even though he's a teenager, right? He's still being babied and mothered. They have their just little protected life, their little protected circle, right? And Harry Potter, they put him under the stairwell in a closet. And they're called these, the wizards call these muggles. Their life is nothing more than the daily churn of things. And they're going to come home and they're just going to watch TV and then they're going to go to bed and they're going to make sure they ate their meals because that's more important than anything else. And they just get their little churn, their little churn and burn, and that's it. And Harry Potter is stuck under the corner. Kids across America went, hey, I resonate with that kid. Right? That's why that book was so popular, because those young teenagers are going, there's got to be more than that, right? And that's why that's all over the internet. Don't let the muggles get you down. Even the term, right? The muggles, right? It's, ugh, right? So, but there's confusion in what's going on, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. What does it look like to break free, to have a higher purpose in life? So let's talk about a lady who just came onto the scene just last week. Okay, Kim Davis. Just last week, she was a uh, uh, what is it, Kentucky uh, court clerk, and she refused to sign um, licenses for homosexual couples. And she re- she did not allow any of her staff to do it either. And that's why she's in jail because if she allowed her staff to do it, then they wouldn't have put her in jail. But Here's a, a lady, and now one of the articles that I read on Friday mentioned that she has marriage issues. Okay, why did they have to mention that? But look at this cartoon. I want to use this cartoon because this is from non-Christians. Here's her, she's praying, Oh Lord, my faith says not to let gays get married, but the government says do your job. Which one should I obey? And this is the voice of God. It's easy. Which one issues your paycheck? Right? Where, who really feeds you? It's the blessed government, so obey the government. Right? There's confusion because humans don't like God. They don't like moral truth. And there's massive amounts of confusion. So even an article written by an unbeliever on Friday mentioned that she had marriage issues. So who is she? Someone who has marriage issues dare stand up for moral truth. Right? Well, wait a minute. If... Is marriage issues bad for the person writing the article? Who's accusing her? Are they calling on a higher morality? 
to say that she's being a hypocrite? Is hypocrisy bad? If you don't believe in God, why is hypocrisy bad? Do you understand? They're lost, but they know how to accuse Christians. How is it that the lost can take the moral code and throw it at a Christian? You ever think of that? So 1 Corinthians 2.14-16 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Do you believe God, Jesus, has shared with you what's on his mind? He certainly has. He wrote it down. Right? Well, I understand she only became a Christian during her last marriage. See, that's an awesome testimony. world doesn't get it. world doesn't get that Christians get to repent. That Christians say, yeah, that was me, but this is where I'm going. That's an awesome story. And what a privilege for her to pay the price of, uh, not martyrdom, but of persecution. What an honor. But to live for Jesus is messy. It's confusing because we don't necessarily know what it looks like. We read the scriptures, but we don't necessarily know what it looks like, right? So it's okay. Even, I mean, here's a young Christian lady, or she might be an older woman, but she's a young Christian living for Jesus. And it's messy and it creates confusion because the, Jesus confuses the world. But 1 Peter 2 9 through 11 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Let's unpack this awesome truth. First Peter is telling us that we're chosen, we're pulled out, and we have a purpose, a meaning. We're a holy nation, a people of his own possession. Now, who are these people? That's the seasoning of Christians. And each little church in this town, I'm not convinced everyone in them are Christians, but I am convinced that in each church God has seasoned them with Christians. So that that's, that's the true bond, the soul of the church is those believers that God put in there to serve Him, to be the salt in their community. Right? And it's amazing. God doesn't look at the boundaries of the denominations. He calls us despite us. Right? Once we were not a people, but now we're God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. And the exciting thing about that is those folks who are making these horrible laws and, and, and doing these horrible things, they just haven't received mercy yet. Because that was us. And the scripture says that. We'll get to that later on. But 
we're encouraged to live as sojourners. A sojourner means don't get comfortable here on earth. This is not where it ends. That we're on a journey, and that's what sojourner means, we're on a journey, and we're exiles. The world hates the Christians. The, the forces of darkness in the heavenly realms hate the Christians. And every time God regenerates a new person, bing, and a new star appears, the spiritual forces of evil and the, and the humans who still hate God, ugh, they hate that new bling of light that just appeared. They hate it. We're exiles here. And God tells us to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against our souls. Okay, We've got to pay attention to those passions. And to be different. Going against the flow. Now this is tough. This is tough for us at any age, but it's really tough for teenagers. Because you got this, you know, the river. I I used to liken this to a swimming pool. We had a nice big above-ground swimming pool that was an oval shape. And we'd get 10 or 12 kids in that big swimming pool. Drive my dad nuts, right? We'd get 12 kids in there, and we'd, we'd all get going in a, in, in a circle. And we would get a whirlpool that would raise the water to the edge of that pool. We're talking a current. And then everyone would do the dead man's float. Once we get that going, everyone would be exhausted from just trying to run through the pool. And then we'd just float. And that, you just get all these bodies circling like cereal, right? In this pool. Right, And then some of the kids would stop and put their feet down and lean into the current. And the wave would just go around them. And they're not even floating with anybody. They're not swimming against it, even though that was fun too. Just standing. And you've all stood in a river before and the current's pushing against you. We're asking Christians and Christian teens to do two things. One... Just stop and stand, please. Just stop going their direction and just stand. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a current. Hey, mom, dad, all they did was stop doing what they're doing and I'm all of a sudden getting beat on. Yep, now I want you to walk up the current. What? I want you to start walking up the river. Now it gets even more difficult, right? And as grown-ups, how well are we doing that? Walking up the water. Okay, not just standing ground, but going into the headwaters. That's what God asks us to do. Okay? And through the Holy Spirit, we can do it. But it doesn't feel good, and sometimes there's big logs coming down the current, and their job is to wipe us out. Okay? And sometimes it does. But you know what? God pulls us back out of the water, makes sure our feet secure, and says, do it again. Uh, but that log hurt, and I still got a bruise on my head. Come on, keep walking. First Peter four one through five. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. The sin is the current. Just being stupid, just sinning away with the rest of the world, being a muggle. We're stopping and starting to walk. For as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passion, but for the will of God. That's why we're here today, to know what the Bible says so we can do what God tells us. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, 
orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to these, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. See, these folks are surprised and even hurt. You'll have family accuse you of not loving the family because you're following Jesus. How dare you betray us and follow Jesus over us? That's just the family, but your friends, right? What's the Sin River down there? What, I don't know what they call that river. The, where the bridge? Going at, the bridge. Oh, I know what they call it. <laughs> yeah, right. So there's the the bridge there, right? And they're surprised. Why not? It's the weekend. What's wrong with that? Right? The government says it's okay, so who are you to say otherwise? Okay? And they're surprised we don't join them. So I just want to... Does anyone remember this movie? Yeah. Breakfast Club? So... That's the 80s. I was looking for an 80s image. Now, these are all different cliques from the 80s. Larger schools still have cliques. Little schools like Pawpaw, everyone's playing the same role. You just switch your hat depending on your class. But this was what was called a skid. In the 80s, in my grades, this was a skid, a jock. That was an alternative girl, you know. That nowadays, it would even be beyond emo, okay, is this girl. That's the preppy girl, and that's the nerdy boy, right? Now, I don't even get to fit on here because I was socially a nerd, but I wasn't able to do homework either. I was a straight-C kid at best, right? I don't think I ever finished a homework assignment in high school. I, I don't even remember, right? I know my trapper keepers never last very long, but I love the smell of the new vinyl. New vinyl trapper keepers, all right? <laughs> okay? But the whole idea is this, is even for me from... <laughs> it does explain a lot. Okay, even from me, for the from the uh, from seventeen to twenty one, I, I had two failed attempts at college. I had I was still living in my parents' basement to give you an idea, and I made sure I was on three different gaming clubs during the week. One was actually still after high school, a science teacher. There was a Friday night and a Sunday group, and every week I played these games religiously. We're talking Dungeons and Dragons when I say gaming. And we would game, we would start, Friday night would start about 9 o'clock and go to about 3 in the morning. That was Friday night's party. Uh, Thursday after school would go from obviously 2 to about 6 or 7, and then Sundays would go from 8 in the morning till 5 or 6 at night. We'd game at this karate dojo. It was very cool, right? That hours and hours of this. I remember Desert Storm. We'd be gaming and then just keep the war on, and we'd watch TV, you know, just during those scenes when there was an update. But all this time, I wasn't living for Christ. I I had no purpose or meaning, right? And I, I was working food uh, service for a college. Kobe College was the name of it. Great liberal school in Maine. I mean great as in a lot of liberal, a lot of bad. And just a blue collar job, I think I was doing eight bucks an hour, right? 40 hours a week, I was working hard, bringing it home. Bringing it home, right? Living in my parents' basement. So, but there was no purpose, no higher meaning. 
See, and it wasn't until someone actually talked to me about Jesus outside of the church circles and gave me the gospel. And the most awkward part of that was after I prayed by myself, the sinner's prayer, whatever version of that was, he held a birthday party for me. His name was Chris, Chris Cody. And at this birthday party, they had made me a cake and everything, and he bought me a Bible, an NIV student Bible. I'd never had a Bible like that before. All I was living off from at that time was Gideon Bibles. We had a small stack and a bookshelf, and uh, King James tape audio cassettes on my Dual Lake cassette player. I'd play those dual. And I'd, because I couldn't get through this King James bit, so I'd have to play this audio tape just to get into it, just to help me pull me through. Because that's all we had. And to have this, this NIV study Bible, student Bible, that was big. And somebody actually celebrating my spiritual maturity or spiritual birth. Somebody caring about something other than that. It was awkward. It was strange. And it was scary. Because no grown-up in my entire life had talked to me about God like that or given me anything of Bible truth and now, you know, you're 19, 21, and now somebody's bringing this in to your life, right? But what happens is it takes your goal off the world thing and it starts to, it's like the, the wise men, it gives you this new compass. It brings your eyes out of the crud of the world and now you look up and, ah, oh, aha, wait a minute, there, there's a greater meaning, there's a greater purpose. And things got very exciting for me, it's like, oh, and you mean it has nothing to do with religion? I can still hate religion? And as far as I can tell from the scriptures, every time Jesus talked to a religious leader, he pretty much beat them up. So it's like, this is an awesome Jesus. He agrees with me. Or maybe I agree with him. I don't know, but we're connecting. Right? This is cool. So first thing I did is I went to all my gaming buddies. And I said, hey, listen, i got a story for you. Listen to this. And I, every one of them, I gave him my story about Jesus. Because we are still buddies, right? And as part of that, I would still game. I was still a gamer. I didn't change overnight. But as I'd sit there, and so, one of my gaming groups, they were terrible gamers. They were, they were dysfunctional gamers. How can you be dysfunctional at playing a game? These guys were. Where instead of you build a character and you grow your character life, like even my son with... Minecraft, he knows you've got to get all these things to build bigger things, right? Like any game. But these guys would just build characters, and, and it was very dysfunctional for dysfunctional people, okay? So, but I would tell them, hey, listen to this. I gotta t- let's go talk. And I share with them what happened. And they're like, oh, okay, that's great. And they started getting away from me. It's not like I left them. I'm like, no, hey, come along. This is great. This is amazing. This is everything that well, I've been looking for. What about you? Mm-mm. It did not turn them on. It turned them off. So now I started to lose all these friends. It's not like I just said, I'm done with you. It kind of like says, we just got nothing in common anymore. So all my 20-something-year-old friends went that way, and I went in a different direction. Next week we'll talk about what God replaced that with. But... It, there was a big cost. So you got all your friends starting to leave you. you got your parents giving you the hairy eyeball, like, what's wrong with you, right? And it's like, I'm paying a price here to follow this Jesus. But I know I'm not following religion. I'm certainly finally free of religion. I'm getting it. And Jesus is out here with me. 
and I get to live for Him. Right? Very exciting stuff. But you pay a price for following Jesus. And 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish. I could replace that with my name right there. In the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let no one who boasts, bo- let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And that whole story is about, you know, our own Christian testimony is about what God's doing in us, right? There's nothing we can brag about other than, hey, God's amazing, God, right? That's the Christian story. But something else is look at the theology, the deep, 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 deep theology that God throws in here. Because of God, Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom. We were just, I was just talking with Kelly about, well, he was talking with me about Proverbs, the wisdom and the power-packing, super awesome wisdom of Proverbs, right? It's, it's like, it will blow you over with insane awesomeness. Righteousness. That righteousness comes from Christ. Sanctification is the same word as holiness. It means God is setting you apart from the world. The world's being stupid and going this way, and God's going to take us and bring us this way. And redemption, saving us, redeeming our broken, stupid way of life, and redeeming us for His purpose. That's yummy stuff. Isn't that yummy? It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Let's keep it going. First Peter 2, 4 through 8. As you come to him, a living stone, Jesus, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And those spiritual sacrifices are how we live every day. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying a stone, a Zion, a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So here's that lady, Kim Davis, the, the county clerk. She's in jail right now because she won't, um, she won't back down on obeying God over the government. And you know what? She never moved from her moral stance, so to speak, but the government did, right? And so for the government, so, um, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone, Jesus, that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. If you really want to offend somebody, say Jesus Christ in proper context, not as a swear word, and you will offend people. 
They stumbled because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Destined to do. So when you're walking one way because God's called you and you know it's God who's got you and they're not, it's destined. Which doesn't mean it's an ambiguous the force. It means God's sovereign will. Alright? How sovereign is your God? I want to push that. So count the cost. Here's Jesus in Luke 14, 26. That might be hard to read. I'll read it to you. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. We have to hate ourselves. We have to hate the world. We have to hate everything else must be second or less to obeying Jesus. And that's what he's saying here. So I'll show you something in a second. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now this cross thing, if we were to replace this nowadays, whoever is not willing to be publicly executed is what Jesus means by that. Now, if somebody is walking along and they break their leg, it's like, oh, well, that's their cross to bear. No, that's the sin curse. The cross is when you do the right thing and the world puts you in jail because of it. Kim Davis is bearing a cross, right? What did we do for Jesus that this week? Whether right, you know, whether God a negative consequence or not, we don't want negative consequences. But are we bearing any crosses because we did the right thing? Otherwise, when he was laid, has laid the foundation. Oh wait, yes. Then he talks about counting the cost in two illustrations here, and. Um, But he ends with this. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Alright? I just want to highlight that point. Counting the cost. And uh, yeah, he goes on to share that. And I just want to wrap it up at 1435. uh, Or 34 and 35. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall it saltiness be restored it is of no use either to the soil or to the manure pile it is thrown away he who has ears let him hear we're to be salt in the world people either like it or hate it but nobody's ever indifferent to it okay would you say you're being salt that people see and know jesus in you um, Ephesians 6. Now, here's something that... Now, remember, I just read to you Jesus saying, if you don't hate your mother and father, you can't be my disciple. But what about Ephesians 6, 1-3? through 3? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. See, now this is where a lost person who doesn't get it would go, see, the Bible's got its inconsistencies in it. Jesus says, hate your parents, but this is saying honoring your parents. How do those two fit together? Well, that's pretty easy. If if Jesus was your highest commander, if you listened and obeyed Him no matter what, if He was the first of the first of the first, what would you be doing? 
You'd be honoring your parents. Right? How many teens say, yeah, but you don't know my parents. God the Father knows your parents, and guess what God the Father says? Obey your parents. Honor your parents. Right? If we put God first, the excuses go away. Can we truly trust God when He says obey? So here we go. Wise men follow Jesus. And the rest, they're just zombies. They're just walking the way of death. Alright? Those are Minecraft zombies, okay? I had to find non-scary looking zombies. Okay, we're going to see these guys back in October when we do our Halloween series. But this is, this is humanity. And they're mindless, soulless creatures of the flesh that if they read the Bible, it's to do the opposite. Now, they cannot of their own will choose God because Jesus says they're dead in their sins and trespasses. All right? There is no such thing as free will with flesh-eating zombies. They don't want God. That's their final choice. God's going to take one of these, He's going to pull them out, and in John 3.16, in John chapter 3, He's going to make them born again. He's going to turn them into peoples of flesh, and He's going to say, follow Jesus. And then out of all these people... Hopefully, you're one of these wise people. You're following Jesus. You're not looking at what the world's doing. You're going to follow Christ. You're interested in the things of God. You want Jesus more than anything else in the whole world because at the end of the day, He's all that matters. He's all that matters. Jesus. Living, serving, obeying Jesus. And He even gives us a compass, which I bring up every week. Is a nice fresh reminder, right? If Deuteronomy 6.5 is true, and it is, that we shall love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our might. What does that look like? We worship. What does that look like? We minister. We evangelize. We fellowship. And we discipleship. We are doing this because God commanded it, and we love God more than anything else in the world. And that shapes our week. That's what we do. To love God is to do the great commandment. To love God is to do the great commission. And isn't that what we said at the beginning of the service? That conforms our week. So as we get ready for communion, where, what do you really want from your life? Do you want it to be as an obedient servant of Jesus because He saved us from our stupidness? Or do we want to be those little square green zombies? That's your two choices. Alright? From Bible's websites to theology, apps to blogs, there are so many fantastic resources for Christians. Get the latest news and reviews on what is out there to help you grow in Christ. The speakandeacon.com. Truth is here.